Locked On Podcast Network and Radio.com present Locked On Today. Now that Valentine's Day has come and gone, it's crunch time in college basketball, a surgery for the potential number one pick in the NFL draft, plus who should be in the NBA MVP conversation right now. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The third-ranked Michigan Wolverines come back from 14 points against 21 Wisconsin, 67-59. They hadn't played in three weeks, and they lead arguably the best conference in the sport right now. Joining me from Locked On Big Ten, Ben Stevens. And Ben, we hadn't seen Michigan play in a couple weeks. They come out, they have this rusty first half, and then in the second half, they showed why they are a legitimate national title contender this year. Yeah, Peter, I mean, for Michigan to do what they did in those final 20 minutes against a top 25 Wisconsin team would be impressive in any season. But to do that after not playing for more than three weeks on a COVID pause that really has you just doing some at-home workouts in your dorm room, not really getting in a lot of practice time, not getting in a lot of basketball time. We saw them be a little bit rusty in that first half, and it makes a lot of sense. But how they were able to turn up the intensity in the second half against Wisconsin really stifle the Badgers offensively and go on a 23-8 to run over the final 10 minutes of the game to pull out a very impressive win in the Kohl Center in Madison on Sunday afternoon speaks to how good this Michigan team is, showing why they are the third-ranked team in the country, just a notch behind Gonzaga and Baylor, but a Michigan team that has its sights set on the Final Four, and I believe truly a contender to get there when we get to the early portion of April. And what's crazy about the Big Ten this year, Michigan is not the only team that that has that claim. Three teams right now in the top six with Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State. Seven total teams in the top 25. If you're handicapping this group, is it Michigan that is the most likely to be in the Final Four this year? Or, or is someone like Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa even, or Wisconsin, who was a, a top 10 team early in the season, who could get there? I said early on before we started this Big Ten basketball season that I thought Illinois was the team best suited out of the Big Ten Conference to make a deep run in March. I still stand by that. I think Michigan is right there with them. But I think you have seen this Illinois team here recently on a five-game winning streak and what they are capable of when all engines are firing. There have been some discussions over the last few weeks about how the NCAA tournament could try and mitigate potential complications from COVID. There's been this idea of backup teams, which seems to totally defeat the idea of bubble teams. You know, every year we have bubble teams. This year we're going to have bubble teams and backup teams. Is that an idea that you think is viable beyond the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Because that seems like it's going to be tough if we're in the Sweet 16 going, well, we've got a backup team. Right. I don't think if they were to get to that second weekend, that would really be a viable option. It would really kind of dampen some of the excitement of Selection Sunday, knowing that teams that just missed getting on the right side of the bubble still might have a shot. I do have faith, though, in the bubble-like atmosphere that will be in the state of Indiana, in the heart of Big Ten country, really taking place in Indianapolis, but Mackey Arena in West Lafayette for Purdue, where they play their home games, and Assembly Hall in Bloomington, where Indiana plays their home game. I do have faith 
in this bubble-like environment the NCAA tournament and selection committee is creating because of the structured out travel schedule. We already have a lot of those details in place in terms of the quarantine for these teams to get there. We just have to hope that by the time this travel takes place, these teams are healthy after conference tournaments. I think, Peter, that's really the next discussion, is how many leagues around the country will play a conference tournament in just about 20 or so days from now when will we get there? What will the automatic bids be? Could we see more at-large bids because of that? We already know there will be one more at-large bid for this NCAA tournament field. My biggest focus right now is the conference tournaments, but I think by the time we get to the NCAA tournament and some of these scheduled out structured travel in place, that the bubble, at least I'm hoping and crossing my fingers right now, will certainly work by the time we get to the big dance. Trevor Lawrence is the presumptive number one pick. A potential generational prospect is surgery enough to knock him off that perch. We'll discuss next. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Just because the NFL is over doesn't mean there still aren't plenty of ways for you to make some money betting on your sports knowledge. And there's one place that has you covered, one place that we trust. That's betonline.ag. And right now, when you sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on, you will get a 50% welcome bonus. That means they will give you money just for putting money in your account. It couldn't be easier. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. There's NBA to bet on, college basketball, baseball is going to be here before you know it, hockey, golf is a blast to gamble on. And when you go to betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on, you will get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keslowski's in line. Now he turns him. Boot team Penske cars crash. Keslowski is up in a ball of flame. Up into the outside wall. He'll take Kyle Busch with him. Everybody now racing off the corner in a horrific crash on the final lap of the Daytona 500. Caution is on the speedway. Caution is on the speedway. We'll wait and see who was the race leader when the caution flag came out. Video review would confirm that Michael McDowell was leading the race when the crash happened on the final lap, making him the Daytona 500 winner in a race that saw the big one happen twice. The first crash involved 16 cars and happened just 15 laps in. Then the race was delayed for five hours due to rain. McDowell wins his first NASCAR Cup Series, and it's the Daytona 500, a pretty good first one to grab. The Lakers lost to the Nuggets 105 to 122, but that loss wasn't even the story. Here's Anthony Irwin from Locked On Lakers. The story from this one is going to be Anthony Davis. He apparently aggregated that tendinosis injury, and. <laughs> Look, any Lakers fan who has paid any attention to this team over the last decade or so, seeing a player walk off the court with that specific limp and the way that he was walking and then also hitting two free throws right before he performed that limp, uh, it brings back all the worst memories, honestly, of, of, of Lakers fandom. So he's going to get an MRI tomorrow. Uh, the, the Lakers are, are obviously going to play it safer, I think, now than they did before. Uh, and, and we'll see how long he's actually out. Uh, the, the Lakers lose this one by 20-ish points. And 
uh, at once AD went out, you could just see the vibe around the Lakers. They, they tried to make a couple little runs here and there. Kuz tried to bring some energy. LeBron tried to bring some energy. But but it's just one of those games where you lose a player to this specific concern, and the vibe around the team is not going to be very good. And it was Dame time in Dallas on Sunday. What up, y'all? It's your pass first point guard and host of Locked On Blazers, Mike Richmond, coming to you live on Sunday night after the Blazers won their fourth game in a row, 121-118 in Dallas. What can you say? This shorthanded Blazer team is just playing really well. They figured it out. Six guys in double figures, led by Damian Lillard, who had a clutch three late, and Derek Jones Jr., who had a huge layup to put, give the Blazers a three-point lead off a of feed from Carmelo Anthony. Blazers survived a little bit when Luka Doncic missed an important three, but it doesn't matter how it ended, really, because they got the win. Four straight. They look like a real good basketball team, despite missing a lot of their really good basketball players. Tune in to Lockdown Blazers for more. The Milwaukee Bucks lost Sunday to the Thunder 114-109. It was their third straight loss, despite Giannis Antetokounmpo getting a triple-double. Giannis in the locker room after the game knew what the real issue was for the Bucks. They, ma- they made more basket than <laughs> us. I'm not, but that's that's the real, uh, question. They just play better than us. Um, they play better than us. It was more physical than us. So, uh, I think uh, we got to do a better job uh, stepping on the floor, being ready. Here is another story you need to know. On Friday, the presumptive number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, worked out at his pro day. He also announced that he's going to be having surgery on his shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. Joining me now to discuss how this potentially impacts the Jacksonville Jaguars from Locked on Jags, Tony Wiggins. And Tony, is this just a lot of nothing? Is is Trevor Lawrence going to be the number one pick no matter what? He's going to be the number one pick, man. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, there were coaches there, but there was only one guy standing front and center uh, who act like he owned the workout. In fact, <laughs> I didn't find out until Todd McShay said it. It was Urban Meyer himself who requested. I guess because they have the number one pick, he's allowed to do this. He requested to Trevor Lawrence, hey, man, could you throw for us? Because I was doing college football as an analyst. Could you throw? And he goes, sure. So he threw. And I guess because of protocol, you had to invite everybody to it. But uh, Urban Meyer uh, was kind of walking around like John Wayne and Elvis Presley, like it was his workout, and Trevor was invited. You know what I'm saying? So there's no doubt about it. He's going to be the number one guy. One of the other reasons why the Jaguars are interesting is a negative reason. Yeah. Uh, Chris Doyle um, resigned over the weekend, and this is this is the end of what has been a little bit of an ugly saga to the beginning of the Urban Meyer um era here can you just catch everyone up on on what happened and then now that it's concluded how it ended yeah well Chris Doyle was uh, uh let go or uh, was uh, it was a mutual agreement that he left Iowa under you know it was really disgraceful you know when you think back at it and a lot of people that color color college football that cover college football they'll tell you they'll paint this picture to be a lot worse than a guy like me would even know about it but that it went over years and years and years of guys uh who are African-American complaining about him uh 13 guys at one point were in a hospital because of the way they, they uh, were treated physically um, at Iowa, let go last year. It wasn't even a year. Uh, had a $1.1 million settlement. And then all of a sudden he pops up and he's the director of uh, performance here in Jacksonville. Now, everyone thinks that he was the strength coach. He wasn't. But he was a director of performance, which the strength coach, the nutritionist, and the trainers all reported to him and he reported to Urban. 
And Urban Meyer basically said this is where Chris Doyle started before he got into strength and conditioning and that he was the best at this. And nobody doubts all of that. Here's the problem. Urban had plausible deniability with Coach Smith at Ohio State, and it still led to him leaving because of domestic abuse. You know what this was about, but yet and still, your excuse was, we vetted him. I've known him for 20 years. You got to trust me. I'm sorry. That doesn't fly in the NFL. No one's going to trust you. You have an owner. In college football, while there might be more scrutiny at Ohio State and Florida than there is in Jacksonville for the Jaguars, there's not more scrutiny in terms of this. The college football coaches, you know, with Joe Pa and Bobby Bowden and everybody else, you run the school. You run and Whatever yep. you say, they're going to do it. In the NFL, no can do, as Hall of Notes said. Doesn't work that way. There's a lot of accountability. There's a lot of partnership. And this was not going anywhere. And the right thing ended up happening. And Urban Meyer learned a lesson that, uh, you know, bro, that does not fly in the NFL. And, and, and this has to be a concerted effort to do the right thing. And I'm one that believes in second chance. I've had second and third chances. But I think people expected there'd be a little more time involved in Chris Doyle's second chance. And I think that people also expected that there would be a better explanation just than just trust me from a guy who really hasn't earned that trust in the past. Yeah, it's not just the NFL. I've known him for 20 years. Trust me, is just not going to fly in circumstances like this, period. Coming up, who should be in the MVP conversation right now? Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And why not? When you've got names like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, German chocolate, salted caramel, double chocolate, all of these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. And yet, they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. It is a miracle of modern science. I'm telling you these things are the best. I have tried every protein bar on the market in my life. Nothing holds a candle to Built Bar. They truly are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. It's one of the more loaded MVP races in the NBA in recent memory. We've got guys like LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, and and plenty of others. I mean, we could go five, six plus deep on this. Josh Lloyd here from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Locked On NBA, here to try and set the stage. Josh, if we're trying to put the the inner circle of MVP candidates right now, who is on that list for you? I think it has to have Joel Embiid in there. Um, I, I think you have to have LeBron in that mix. I think you have to have Jokic, as you mentioned. I think you have to start. I think you have to. I think Kawhi Leonard's got to be in there. To be honest, like his mm. name doesn't get really thrown around with those other guys, but I, I think he's got to be in that mix. And then I'd probably have, um, yes, maybe Steph, KD, maybe just one level, Damian Lillard, one level below those guys. That's probably how I'd look at it. So that's and then Luka Doncic, maybe just you know, half a level below that. So it's probably you know, seven or eight guys who are in that mix. It is pretty wide open, and that's not even including Giannis Antetokounmpo, who he started to increase his level of play of late, so maybe he pushes into that second tier as well. You look at all of the advanced stats, all of our favorite acronym friends, VORP, WAR, win shares, all that stuff, the, the numbers that are usually so friendly to LeBron, 
Nikola Jokic is the leader in basically all of them. And if you look at stuff like win shares, offensive win shares, he's blowing everyone else out of the water. Why do you think he's not getting the love that maybe the numbers say he should? I think people look at it and just assume that he's just a complete defensive liability, which you know he's not a defensive game changer like Rudy Gobert or even like Joel Embiid is. But I, I don't think he's as much of a defensive liability as, um, as narrative or past performances would suggest that he is. I think he's coming third in the NBA in total steals this season. Not that that's an indicator of that you're a very good defensive player, right. but he's not a horrendous defensive player. So uh, I think that's probably what's going – because if it's just your know, best offensive player, it's him. And I don't think it's even close. If we're just talking about who the best offensive player at the moment in the league is, maybe you could throw – maybe Steph's in there. But what Jokic is doing is unbelievable the way he's impacting – um, the team. And I think the other thing that goes against him is Denver's you know, subpar record. I'm glad you brought up Steph Curry because I was actually going to ask you about Steph Curry. That was going to be my big aha moment. And you already brought him up. To me, he's been incredible with with a roster that really outside of him and, and Draymond Green is a bunch of people that the average NBA fan has not heard of. What have you seen from Steph this season? Because he he looks as dangerous as ever to me. Yeah, which is amazing considering yeah, he didn't play last year. He's obviously playing at you know, close to his unanimous MVP type numbers, which was five years ago. And you're doing it after not playing for a whole year with a significantly worse supporting cast. Now, he has a similar issue to Jokic in terms of um, defensive uh, capabilities, but he's not bad on that end. Again, he's probably average to above average. And what you said about Harden, by the way, was true. Harden in certain situations is an okay defender, but you have to really tailor things around him to make sure that he can you can get the best out of him. But Curry's not a bad, bad defender. Look, bad defenders are Trey Young. Like that, that's a bad defender. Right. And Curry's not that. Jokic isn't that. Like they're, they're not they're not that level of uh, of bad defender. Lou Williams is a bad defender. Those guys, these guys aren't that. These are just average players who, because I guess of their of the way they look and the way they play, Jokic, you know, a ground-bound big white man, and Steph Curry, a very, very skinny um, shooter. They just think, well, they're horrendous, and they're going to get roasted defensively. And that's just not uh, its just not what the numbers and even watching the game would, uh, would bear it out. If you're going to take a non-LeBron player, who is your guy here moving forward? Uh, well, I wouldn't be taking LeBron anyway. I don't think that he is. If all this talk from Vogel and... Uh, Ramona Shelburne, you're saying it's over. It's ridiculous. It's it's not only is it not over, like they're saying it's not close. Like it's not only is it not close. It's nowhere near over. And I wouldn't be picking LeBron for MVP personally. I would at this stage pick Embiid. Like his net rating is yeah, a plus sixteen point five. Like that is a phenomenally large number um, <laughs> for a guy playing yeah, two thirds of the minutes. And then when he's when he's off, everything just falls apart. He is that good. Now the thing that people will hold against him is you have lower minutes and, and lower games played, and he's questionable again for Monday's action here with a with a back issue. But at this point, to me, it's out of him and Jokic. They'd be the two guys, and I, I sort of go back and forward on it as to which one that I would have. But you know, often when I'm when we're looking at you know, ties in terms of MVP race, you do sort of default to team record, and I can't tell you one player is more important to their team than the other one is but one team's winning more games. And I'll give him B just that marginal edge there over, over Jokic. And finally, Lorraine Groves, who said that her father, Greg Groves, was the master silversmith at Tiffany & Company from 1967 to 1994 and designed the first Lombardi trophy, called for Brady to apologize for his behavior during the Tampa Bay Buccaneers boat parade when he threw the trophy 
across both, saying it just upset me that this trophy was disgraced and disrespected by being thrown as if it was a real football. Sorry, Karen, the trophy does, after all, include an actual football. Now that you've got the news, go make some money. Listen to Locked on Bets, download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts coming up on Tuesday. This NBA MVP debate isn't going anywhere and why we shouldn't shy away from LeBron just yet. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today.